Welcome to the Claudio Rosano Show on ClaudioRosano.com, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Claudio will be speaking to sports legends from the 70s, 80s, and 90s about their careers, business, and what they're doing now. He will also hold roundtable discussions with some old friends about trending topics in the world of sports. And now, here's Claudio. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Claudio Relsano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. As always, I want to thank Rick Mitchell for the introductions and my fantastic producer, Adam Zaluf. Today, we're going to have a mailbag. I, I just checked uh, on my notes. We haven't had a mailbag since July 14th of last year. So uh, a bunch of great questions were sent my way, a variety of you know, baseball, boxing, some basketball. So uh, we'll get to it right away. Uh, question number one, one, if you have one game to win a championship, what pitcher would you want on the mound? Great question. Uh, a lot of guys come to mind, but for some reason that the first guy that popped into my mind was Tom Seaver, even though he, uh, pretty much was in the postseason in 69 and 73. I don't think he was with the, uh, I don't think he pitched much postseason after that. But uh, I just thought he was probably the smartest pitcher that I've ever listened to. And uh, so he, he was a big game guy when it counted. <clears throat> just didn't get many opportunities. There's guys like um, uh, the guy who pitched for the Red Sox. Oh my God. Kurt Schilling and, and David Wells. There's a bunch of guys that, uh, and of course, the great pitchers of the 70s, like Jim Palmer and Steve Carlton. Uh, but I'm going to have to go with Tom Seaver. Second question, what hitter, uh, from the same person, what hitter would you want uh, to, uh, on uh, at, at bat for a, a big game to win the game? And two guys came to mind there. And that was Reggie Jackson, Mr. October, and Roberto Clemente. And both of them had big-time uh, world postseason games. Clemente more so with the average uh, he had some home runs and extra bases as well. And Reggie, of course, uh, with the home runs throughout uh, his major league career. People think of the 77 World Series where he hit the uh, uh, five home runs but um, and three home runs consecutive uh, pitches, but uh, in consecutive pitches. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to go with Reggie Jackson and Roberto Clemente. Most memorable game that you were at? <clears throat> well, I know you guys might be tired of hearing it, but August 19th, 1973, the very first game that I ever attended when I was eight years old, uh, that game uh, is, is stitched in my mind forever and probably to the listener's mind too because I talk about it all the time, but that was the day that I knew what I wanted to do with the rest of my life and I went down to the locker rooms and see, seen those guys and I went on the field and just that's when it hit me. And then the other game was October 14th, 1979. I turned 15 years old. I went to game five of the World Series when Jim Rooker pitched a fantastic game and kept the Pirates in the World Series. It was a key game. Um, the thing I remember most outside of the game was uh, the locker rooms, how packed it was. And you see you know, Howard Cosell and all these guys uh, interviewing people. And, and I just remember seeing Jim, and he was – you know, I, I just remember, God, this is the fifth game of the World Series. And he was nice and joking around and he was in a good mood. And, and, and the, the pirate team was the, the radio was blasting. They were joking around with each other. And 
they seemed very relaxed. And if you remember, they were down three, one at the time, I believe. So, uh, you know, it was a, it was a huge game, but, uh, obviously they went on to win. But the other thing I remember is I used to go to the Allegheny club where my uncle worked, as I told you guys before. And, um, I remember having my seat, uh, there was kind of like a bar section. It was a bar. And then there was, uh, uh, some, some tables there and I didn't move from that, from that section because somebody was going to take my spot. <clears throat> and then I remember, um, my uncle tapped me on the shoulders and he gave me a Stan usual autograph ball. And it was also signed by goose Gossage too. And, uh, and I met Stan usual that day. And, um, but I didn't get up. I, I got up, shake his hand, but I didn't move around the Allegheny club because again, I didn't want to lose my seat, but, uh, what, what a special game that was. And obviously I have the DVD from that, uh, series and I watched that game often. And I said, man, I was at that game. And I, they kind of panned the camera over to the Allegheny club and I know where I was sitting. And it's crazy because that was so many years ago. And, uh, boy, that was just a, a, a very special, uh, game for sure. Uh, most memorable game that I participated in as a player. Um, 1983, I was playing Legion Ball, <clears throat> and uh, I played third base that day. And I used to play multiple positions. Uh, matter of fact, one game in high school, I played uh, second, short, third, right, left, and I pitched. Coach Wozniki used to move me around pretty good, which I always enjoyed. But this one particular game, I was playing Legion Ball, and I had two consecutive errors at third base, throwing errors. And um, I, I had a good arm, but sometimes it was a little little wild from third base, even from the outfield sometimes. But anyway, this one guy who was uh, a coach, good guy, you know, but he kind of got on me. He called me a hot dog and all that kind of stuff because I used to you know, make basket catches. I had the white shoes, the wristbands, and I'd make snatch catches and so on and so forth. And uh, – but I made a couple errors. I wasn't hot dogging or showing off those times. I, I just messed up, right? But he got on me pretty good. So I got mad at him, and I don't know why I said something. And he said something to the effect, I'm probably going to strike out or whatever the case was. So I remember I got a double. Then a kid that was batting next, his name was Chris Buffalini. I'll never forget. He was a lefty, good left-handed ball player. He hits a ball to left field. And I remember getting a good jump on the hit. And as soon as I touched third base, I, I'd say maybe two steps towards after third base, I went in backwards the rest of the way. And I kind of pointed at that coach and some fans, you know, made comments, you know, that I was getting back at that coach, which I kind of guess I was. But, um, yeah, I went in backwards that far away. There was a guy who used to play for the Pirates. His name was Matt the Scat Alexander. And if you remember, he was a key part of the 79 World Series. He was a pinch runner, could f absolutely fly. And when he was maybe about three to five steps away from home plate, he would go in backwards and he would give himself a high five. You know, but I went in way further backwards and uh, it wasn't a close play. I mean, they didn't throw it at home or anything like that. Now, if I had did it in, in for high school with Coach Wozniki, he may have killed me. Uh, speaking of that, one time I was a – 10th, I was in uh, 11th grade, and I was in right field at, uh, for Quaker Valley High School, and we were playing Northgate High School at Northgate High School, which ironically, a lot of my games for CMU are played there. There was a ball hit to right field that made a basket catch. So I come in. It was just like the movie Major League. I thought Coach was going to congratulate me because it was a pretty nice catch. And he said, 
sit down, you'll never play for me again. Or I said, damn, I was so upset with him, right? And he, he benched me, and then he got kicked out of the game, so I was kind of glad he got kicked out of the game later. And even before that, when I was in 10th grade, I always used to wear white shoes. I'm looking at a picture right now when I was a senior. I had white Pumas because of Reggie. Well, Joe Namath wore white Pumas, and Reggie Jackson used to wear you know, the black Pumas. But um, he said, first thing he said to me, he says, you're going to either get new shoes or you're going to dye those black. I said, Coach, my parents paid 40 bucks for these. There's no way I'm, I'm going to get new shoes or paint these black. He said, then you won't play for me. I said, Coach. That should have nothing to do with whether I play or not, the white shoes. He said, nobody's ever worn white shoes. You're not going to wear them. I said, okay. Well, I, I did wear white shoes. He never – he started me. I was captain the whole nine yards, and coach was, and I became very, very good friends. As a matter of fact, I was his assistant coach for five years, and I was head coach in 88 because of him. But, uh, but those, are, those are memorable things for sure that I won't forget that made things special. But most memorable game as a coach – was I've had a lot of good ones, but the most was uh, October 8th, 1990, when I was head coach at Penn State Beaver. I was 25 years old. We were playing a championship game at State College. Series was tied 1-1, best out of three to win the championship, and we won that game 15 to nothing. Um, But I remember I was at third base. We had the game wrapped up. At that time, we were winning 13 to nothing. And I remember I always wear sunglasses when I coach, but I remember, you know, crying uh, pretty hard, to be honest with you, uh, because October 8th was my mom's two year anniversary that she had passed away. It was also my dad's birthday. And I just started thinking about my mom and my dad was sick at the time and he couldn't come to the game. And um, and my players were coming around congratulating me and. They thought I was crying because I was happy that we were going to win, which eventually I was, but I was just kind of sad at that moment. And um, I just uh, just kept thinking about my mom. And, and then uh, guys were stealing bases, and I'm not even calling any signals. They're just stealing and hitting the ball, and people were upset with me because they think I'm running up to score, which I wasn't. But as I said, we won 15 nothing, and I'll never forget uh, when it was over. You know, I obviously dedicated that to my mom and dad, and and I made sure that on our championship on the on the championship ring that I wore that it said ten eight ninety. So that was a very memorable uh, game for sure. But there was a lot of them. I remember my first win at Quaker Valley in nineteen eighty eight. Uh, really, before even the first win, I remember the first game we had. We lost. I want to say it was against Newcastle, and I remember. We lost the game. I, had, I went home, but then I remember coming back because I forgot something at the office. And it was raining, but it was warm. And I, there was a young man who played for me. His name was Jimmy Seymour. And he, he was still there. And I said, Jimmy, this is going to be a special team. And it really was. That was a very special team. It was my first team that I was a head coach. And I remember, uh, you know, I'm still friends with a lot of those guys from the team, like Vince Kaplack. You guys hear me talk about Vinny all the time and, and Mike Roperto. But I can name the whole lineup. We just had a great group of guys. Um, we, Colin Sample was my catcher. But I had uh, uh, Mike Cohn at first base. We had Vinny at second. Mike, uh, John Murphy at short. Uh, Jason Tarosky pitched and played third. Mike Roperto pitched and played third. Out of position, but we needed a pitcher. And Mike stepped up and did a great job for us. Colin Sample played out of position, caught for me. Uh, left field was Matt Walker, center field was Jimmy Seymour, and right field was Dave Gist. We had Frankie Pursuit on the team. We had uh, uh, Mark Noble. We had a bunch of you know, great guys on the team. Um, 
that uh, Chuck LaFord and, and Bob Lauder, we had a lot of great young men on that team, and it was a special team. We didn't, uh, we missed the playoffs, I believe, that year by half a game, but um, it, it was a fun team and, and, a, and a great group of guys. Uh, one game that I do remember, we had lost a very tough game against Avonworth. We lost something like two to one, and I remember Jason Tarosky, the pitcher, was just sharp as attack. I mean, he wherever the catcher called and said, put the glove, Jason hit it. He was unbelievable that day. But it was a rare time that we just didn't hit, so we lost. But we tried like hell. So the next day, I said, you know what? We're just going to have a light practice because they were drained mentally and physically. I said, you know what? We're just going to take it easy at practice. Just get some cuts in, some fielding, and get out, right? So I'm going to the office, and I see the janitor, Fred Glatzel. And he says, good luck today, coach. I said, no, Fred, we have, we have practice. He says, no, you have a game. I said, no, we're all right. We, we have practice. So I just kept walking. Then I seen a friend of mine today. His name is John Catano, who's going to be on our show one of these days, the Quake Valley basketball coach. At the time, he said, good luck today. I said, coach, we have practice. He says, no, I see Northgate outside there. They're, they're warming up. And I believe he was teaching Northgate at the time. So I go outside, and there's Northgate. They're, they're, they're practice, you know, they're getting, they're, they just got off the bus. Nobody told me we had a game. Okay, nobody told me we had a game. So all the guys got together. I said, look, we, I went to go down to the uh, umpire, and I said, look, nobody told us we had a game. He said, well, that's not my problem. We'll give you, I think it was 15 or 20 minutes grace time. We had to start at 4.15 or 4.20. It was something like, I don't know, 3.30, whatever it was. Maybe it was a little soon, a little before that. So I told the guys, go home fast as you can. Get your uniforms. Let's, we have to be on the field and be ready to play. So everybody flew home. I remember going home with Vinny Kaplack, and he got his stuff, and I got my stuff. and We got to the field. No warm-ups, no nothing. We go out on the field. We're losing. Eventually, it was it was 6 nothing. We were losing. And then the guys made this big comeback. <laughs> they made this big. It was a special team. It really was. But they made this huge comeback. And it was tied up. Mike Ruperto in the seventh inning. Mike Ruperto gets a single. And he led the league in stolen bases that year. So Mike steals second. People were hollering at me up on the hill. Why would you steal him? Why would you steal him? It's tied. That's I'm going for the win. And plus, I have the best base runner in WPIL. He steals uh, third. Then Vinny Kaplack comes up and hits a shot to right field. Um, a, a sack fly. We end up winning the game. So Vinny got the game-winning hit, and Roberto scored the game-winning run. So the guys I was you know, closest with, and Colin Sample had a big game as well. Those three guys were, were major uh, reasons why we won that game. So that was a game that I'll, I'll never forget, too. So, um, like I said, I have a bunch of them. But uh, those are the ones that uh, stick out the most. But we're going to take a quick commercial break to hear from our great sponsors, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Don's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, criminal defense attorney Eric Jackson-Laurie, who is going to be a guest on the show, I believe, next week, and the Quaker Valley Rotary Club. We'll be right back with Mailbag. Dr. Roscoe, I've been talking to my dad and he seems out of sorts, like he can't understand what I'm saying. It's not just a hearing problem, Jolie. It is a health problem. Even with a mild hearing loss, our risk of dementia doubles with age. So let's improve dad's hearing and his health. Let us be the solution to his hearing health care needs so you and dad can experience many years of understanding, laughter, and happy memories. Serving the Dubois area for over 20 years, the Roscoe Hearing Care Center in Dubois, Punxsy, and St. Mary's. The hearing solutions you've been looking for. 
814-375-0455. Call us for an appointment today, 814-375-0455. The law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar. 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Don Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. Would you like to join a community service-oriented group to help provide remarkable services such as the Halloween Parade, Santa Parade, a Memorial Golf Outing, the annual Harvest Festival, award secondary educational scholarships, and raise several fundraising events? If so, the Quaker Valley Rotary Club is looking for people of action who live a service-above-self type of lifestyle and want to help make the Quaker Valley District even better. Please visit us at www.quakervalleyrotary.org or call Scott Zayner at 412-720-0298. Okay, our next question is a boxing question. Uh, Who wins, Sugar Ray Leonard or Floyd Mayweather. That's an easy one. Sugar Ray Leonard dominates him. As a matter of fact, you know, there's a show on Showtime called uh, Four Kings, I believe, with Sugar Ray Leonard, Tommy Hearns, Roberto Duran, and Marvin Hagler. And those guys beat Mayweather. They beat Spence. They beat Pacquiao. They beat Crawford. They beat Canelo. Um, Those guys were just... I, I don't think you're going to see a documentary or a yeah documentary or any specials on Spence Crawford Pacquiao uh, you know Canelo and, and, and those guys uh, you're just not I mean those guys I mentioned Hagler Hearns uh, Leonard and uh, Duran that was a special breed for sure um, and they fought each other but yeah they they all beat Mayweather in my opinion uh, favorite baseball coach that uh, and coach that you studied the most, Chuck Tanner. Studied him, loved the way he coached, the way he handled his players. Tony Larusa, I loved the way he X and O's. Loved his X and O's as I did Chuck Tanner. Matter of fact, when Tony Larusa signed on to coach the Chicago White Sox this year, as soon as he signed, first thing I said was. The White Sox just signed the best major, league, uh, the best manager in Major League Baseball. Uh, Joe Torre loved the way he dealt with his players. Uh, Ozzie Guillen was an unbelievable play caller, and it's a shame that he's not managing today. He was. Uh, I just loved watching him uh, do the X and O's and, and uh, his aggressive style. Just really love, and the way he would teach the game. Cito Gaston of the Toronto Blue Jays was another one I enjoyed watching. Cito, I learned from him, after a big hit, do something else big. Do a hit and run, a steal, something. Don't stop the momentum. I always learned that from him. Um, 
Billy Martin, you know, I, I like the way he was too. I mean, he was a little, maybe he was a little too fiery sometimes. Maybe he could have dealt with some things better, but uh, you know, he should, he should be in the hall of fame as well. But I, I liked him. And Clint Hurdle is one of the best people that you're ever going to come across. I remember, oh, maybe three, four years ago, I was asked to be a celebrity judge for a the best chicken wings in Ohio. You talk about a, a, a good perk. That was one of them. But um, they also asked if I could get some memorabilia so uh, you know, to auction off. So I remember asking Clint, I said, could I have an autographed ball? from you and he said of course so i sent i gave him one of our college balls and he was on the he was on the road when he comes back he gives me not only his ball bill verdon al kaline um bill mazeroski and omar marino major league balls so that's the type of guy clint hurdle is and uh the pirates definitely miss that type of person uh, for sure he was a great guy um, and he's doing well he's in Florida having a good time with his family so um, I'm glad he's doing so well uh, the, a venue that you wish you could have been to visited uh, obviously Three River Stadium is my very very favorite which I was there a thousand times but Yankee Stadium because of all the history the old Yankee Stadium uh, this one could be the exact replica but it's not the same place where Babe Ruth was, where Lou Gehrig, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, Whitey Ford, and Yogi, and Reggie hit his home runs, and and uh, the Joe Torre teams won. And then other things, you know, like the, the famous um, Giants-Colts game, and, and of course, Rocky Marciano fought there many times, including his last fight. Uh, so, you know, I would have loved to have gone there. I saw it from a distance. My wife and I were going to watch Vinnie Paz fight in Connecticut, and I was sleeping on the bus, and um, she said, Claudio, Claudio, wake up. There's Yankee Stadium, and I, at least I got to see it. And the other one was Shea Stadium, which is where, you know, Joe Namath played and Lee Mazzilli and the Mets and the Jets and all that. But if you look at a, a baseball card from the 70s, 70s and 80s, but especially the 70s, and also Bruno Sammartino uh, fought some big cards there once in 72 where he headlined against Pedro Morales, and in 1980, August of 80, where he fought Larry Zabisco in a cage match. Those were huge. Those were WrestleManias before WrestleManias. And uh, but if you look at a baseball card from the 70s, you can always tell the background, that that color of the dirt and the seats of Shea Stadium and just absolutely loved uh, both of those. And I really wish that I could have, you know, visited those places because I would have been in all of those places. They would have been like a museum type thing for me. Uh, favorite baseball announcer? Well, that's a good question, too. Obviously, being here in Pittsburgh, you have to say Bob Prince and Nellie King. They were just unbelievable. Loved those guys. Loved Milo Hamilton. Um, and uh, Jim Rooker was great. Uh, not just because he's a friend, but Jim gave great insight. But there's some other guys whose voices just bring me back. Kirk Gowdy, Tony Kubek, Joe Gradiola, Jim Simpson. I love Jim Simpson. Very underrated. Um, and Lindsey Nelson was, was great. Uh, but, um, and then Howard Cosell, Monday Night Baseball. I mean, Howard Cosell was, to me, the, the, the best announcer who ever was in front of a mic, you know, with a variety of sports. He was just great. And then the guys who I, I, I have a big notebook, which I'm looking at right now, and that I, I would always pull out whenever Rooker was talking, uh, announcing Jim Palmer and Joe Morgan. 
those guys gave unbelievable insight to the game. And I just have so many notes from those guys and learned so much. It was like a classroom. When those guys were announcing, they were like the, the teacher slash professor, and I was the student. And I still have a ton of notes, which I refer back to them uh, all the time. And I and they had distinctive – John Sanders is another one who's now with Cleveland, I believe. Love John Sanders. He was great. Uh, but there was a lot of uh, – I was lucky. I'll always say it. A lot of great um, games and athletes and sports and even announcers back then. Um, who's my favorite boxing announcer? Again, hands down, Howard Cosell. He was known for his down goes Frazier call and uh, all, all the calls. He was just unbelievable. And uh, uh, I really, he, he made the event an event when Howard Cosell was there. And of course, his banter with Muhammad Ali, that was always fun. Favorite wrestling announcer. There's a lot of them that, uh, that get a lot of credit and, and as well they should. But for me, by far the best play by play wrestling for the lack, I guess that's what you call it. Uh, the best play by play, um, guy ever for me was Vince McMahon, uh, in the seventies and in the PCs. And later on, you know, he kind of changed his style. Uh, and that's fine, but loved listening to him. I mean, he just made it. That's what announcers are supposed to do. He makes it even better. His description of the matches, but his voice, the way he would get excited, it, it was it was just great. And I always liked Bruno Sammartino. I mean, I liked everything Bruno did, but as an announcer, I enjoy. He was the uh, the guy who would give the uh, analysis of the matches, but I really enjoyed uh, him as well. Gene Okerlund was good. I enjoyed him as well. Uh, on that note, we're going to take another quick commercial break to hear from our sponsors, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, Criminal Defense Attorney Eric Jackson-Lurie, and the Quaker Valley Rotary Club. And a few notes, my book, of course, uh, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Winning Culture on the Field and in the Office. You can get it on my website, ClaudioRelsano.com, JohnMelvinPublishing.com, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and the Barnes and Noble in Robinson Township. And I have a very, very special announcement coming up really soon. I'm busting at the seams to announce it. Um, it's it's a great thing that's going on. I'll give you well, I'm not going to give you even a hint right now, but it's something that's uh, very special to me, very, very important. Um, and just you know, it's it's finalized, but I just want to get permission to make the announcement. And I uh, can't wait to share it with you guys because I appreciate you guys listening to the show. Uh, so we'll be right back with Mailbag. Dr. Roscoe, I've been talking to my dad and he seems out of sorts, like he can't understand what I'm saying. It's not just a hearing problem, Jolie. It is a health problem. Even with a mild hearing loss, our risk of dementia doubles with age. So let's improve dad's hearing and his health. Let us be the solution to his hearing health care needs so you and dad can experience many years of understanding, laughter, and happy memories. Serving the Dubois area for over 20 years, the Roscoe Hearing Care Center in Dubois, Punxsy, and St. Mary's. The hearing solutions you've been looking for. Call us for an appointment today, 814-375-0455. The law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call 
Eric Jackson Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Dom Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. Would you like to join a community service-oriented group to help provide remarkable services such as the Halloween Parade, Santa Parade, a Memorial Golf Outing, the annual Harvest Festival, award secondary educational scholarships, and raise several fundraising events? If so, the Quaker Valley Rotary Club is looking for people of action who live a service-above-self type of lifestyle and want to help make the Quaker Valley District even better. Please visit us at www.quakervalleyrotary.org or call Scott Zayner at 412-720-0298. Okay, uh, question number 12. Why do you think the pitchers, you always say that the pitchers are of the 70s and 80s are better than they are today? The guys today throw harder. How are they not better? Well, number one, you had some hard throwers back then, too. Let's not forget. Um, but, and there's more guys throwing, you know, 98-plus than there were when I was growing up. But if you look at a game, just a regular game, and look at the movement on those pitches of the 70s and 80s. I mean, every pitch seemed to be either either the the, the, the speed difference was 14 to 16, 17 mile an hour difference, or every pitch just moved. I always say hitting is timing and balance, and pitching is messing that timing and balance up. And those guys really fooled you. Back then, as you heard me say on this show many times, the, the hitters had much better hitting technique, much, much better. Um, it's not even close. But those pitchers were able to get those guys out because they – they mix their pitches. They move the pitches around. Um, you had different motions. You had maybe a compact motion like a Tom Sievert. Then you'd have a Joaquin Andahar who would throw from different arm angles. You'd have a Louis Tiant who would show you his uniform number and spin around and pause. A Gene Garber who would do the same thing. Uh, or you'd have a, uh, a Dennis Eckersley who obviously pitched into the 90s, early 90s, um, with the sidearm. Kent Colvey, Dan Quisenberry with the with the sidearm and submarine. You had the guys like Bruce Suter with the uh, uh, splitter that would just drop off the table, or Burt Blylevin curveball, or a guy like Rod Scurry. Those of you who don't know, obviously I'm from Pittsburgh. Rod Scurry was a lefty, number 19. When he came up, he was number 57, but he was a reliever for the Pirates. If he were pitching today, he would have to be—he would be illegal, because they would have accused him of putting, you know, that stickum stuff on the ball, which I guarantee you he did not. He had an unbelievable curveball, unbelievable curveball. Everybody talks about Burt Blylevin, which obviously had an unbelievable curveball too. That goes without saying. He's the first person you think about, but in Koufax, but um, Rod Scurry didn't have a long career, unfortunately, but. Uh, I'll never forget that curve, but he can aim for your head and you duck out of the way and it would go right in the middle of the plate. He was a phenomenal uh, pitcher. But uh, again, those guys would keep you off balance. They change speeds. They move the ball around like Clint Hurdle used to say, move the eye level. And those guys certainly did. I don't see that as much today. They're just rearing back and throwing as hard as they can. And if you hit it, you hit it. If you don't, you don't. And uh, again, I give them credit. You know, they have the, the arms and all that, but um, 
I, I like the pitchers better than the throwers. But you had hard guys, hard throwers back then too. Right off the bat, Nolan Ryan, James Rodney Richard, uh, Frank Tanana before he got hurt. Uh, uh, I mentioned uh, uh, Sudden Sam McDowell was another one. Tom Seaver. Uh, you had guys who could fire the ball back then too. But they were also, uh, Nolan Ryan is obviously known for his fastball, but then all of a sudden he throw, you know, a, a slider at 86 or a curveball. And or Dwight Gooden, you know, they used to call his curveball Lord Charles. They used to call a you know, curveball Uncle Charlie, but with her, him, it was Lord Charles because that, that thing would drop off the table. And that was a hell of a curveball. And he could get it up there pretty good too. So uh, I, I will always contend and say that the pitchers of the 70s, 80s, and a piece of the 90s are, are better than the ones that are, that are today. Um, okay, somebody heard me talk about the Fenway Park story. I'm trying to think which one that is. Uh, I, okay, I think I do know what it is because that's the only Fenway story I have. In 2001, I was there for the winter meetings, Major League Baseball winter meetings, with our company, the Global Scouting Bureau. And uh, we had the meetings in one of the uh, – banquet rooms and we got to go to the locker rooms and all that kind of stuff and there i see the the big green monster from this one particular room and this gentleman who had been working for the red sox for years comes up to me and he says uh so what's the first this is the first time here i said yes sir he said what's the first thing you think about when you come to yankee stadium and the first thing i said and i wasn't trying to be mean or funny but i said bucky dent's home run and he had a he had a look on his face like I just cussed out his wife. I mean, he got mad. He didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. But sometimes silence speaks volumes. He looked at me, kind of pursed his lips, and he walked away. He didn't talk to me the rest of the night. And But I didn't mean – I wasn't trying to bust his chops, but that was the first thing that I thought about was was that, that home run by Bucky Dent back in 78. So maybe I shouldn't have said that to him. Um, kind of another Red Sox story here next. Uh, who's the biggest name you ever signed? Well, that's kind of a tricky question because the biggest name I signed wasn't exactly the best player I ever signed, or he didn't go the furthest. But I'll tell you the story anyway because it's the most memorable. We at the Global Scouting Bureau, we had trial camps all over the country, all over the country. And I used to have to go to them, obviously, uh, which I love doing. Um, and, and sometimes people would joke around. They would say Babe Ruth. They, they would sign, actually sign up on, online. They'd say Babe Ruth was coming, Ty Cobb. You know, people have nothing better to do. Well, this one time back in 2002, I believe, almost positive, maybe it was 2003. I think it was 2003. Uh, we're in New Jersey and May of 2003, and we get James Gamble, the owner of our company, who's been on our show. He said, look who we got sign up. John Henry Williams, who lives on Ted Williams Boulevard in Florida, I think it was. And so we just kind of, yeah, okay, John Henry Williams, which is Ted Williams' son. We just didn't believe it. Then, as luck would have it, I go to the New Jersey car rental, and who's there? John Henry Williams. About six foot three, six foot four, you know, good looking guy. Uh, just, he was nice to people. I didn't talk to him. I didn't say anything to him. And I called James. I said, James, it's not a joke. He's either, this is the most ironic, coincidental thing in the history of mankind, or John Henry Williams is coming to our camp. He's okay, great. So we go to the camp, and there's John Henry Williams. And um, I think, yeah, the camp was in New Milford, New Jersey. 
just outside of Hackensack, I believe. Pretty sure. Anyway, so we got to talking. Good guy. Good guy. But um, and, and the crazy thing was I was, you know, feet from him uh, in the cage. He was in the batter's box and I was in the cage, you know, evaluating players. And there's a very famous picture of Ted and his corkscrew swing. I mean, just a just a beautiful picture of Ted taking a cut. And John Henry batted right-handed, had the exact same swing. I mean, it was really eerie. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Um, unfortunately, Ted, uh, John Henry, you know, wasn't the, the, the you know the best ball player in the world, and he was, I believe, like 34, 35 at the time too. So it was going to be a task to do anything for him. Uh, so James calls me during the camp. He said, "Claudio, we need a name player." to play in the Southeastern League, somebody that's going to, you know, draw some attention. So, you know, so he started giving me a list of major league, former major leaguers, you know, who we could contact. And I'm saying, and it was, I think, for 800 a month, 900 a month. I'm not sure how much it was. I said, James, I really don't think that a former name, and I think Ricky Henderson's name kind of popped up too, I think. I said, I don't think those guys are going to want to sign. You know, they're playing for, you know, nine, 10 million a year. They're not going to want to play now for eight, $900 a month. And they're going to cuss me out and I'm going to have to cuss them out too. And I'm, I don't want to do that. I said, but what about John Henry Williams? And he said, you think he'll do it? I said, well, I'm going to ask him. And I asked John Henry about it and he said, yeah, I'd love to. And he, he signed. So we signed John Henry Williams to a pro contract. We made his dream come true. And, um, he, he did play, uh, I think, I think he did play one year and yeah, there was some controversy with him and his, you know, him and his dad, there was some, some made up stories and some other things that did happen, whatever. I mean, he didn't do anything bad or anything, but there was some, I mean, you can look up the stories, but John Henry was a very nice guy and was always kind to my dad. I'll never forget that. He would, whenever he'd call, he'd have a long conversation with my dad and my dad got a kick out of that because you know, it was Ted Williams, son and. Um, but just a nice guy. I really liked John Henry a lot. And then I remember, uh, I want to say 2004, almost positive because my dad was sick at that time as well. John, uh, John Henry, who, again, if you looked at him, picture of health, he was a movie star looking guy, right? He had, uh, I believe leukemia and he passed away. I want to say at age 36, which was very sad. But one thing that always made me feel good that we helped make his dream come true. And, uh, that was, that, that was a big deal uh, for us, for sure. So I'd say the biggest name I signed was uh, John Henry. Um, let me see here. Okay, I see you uh, wear a lot of Greg Norman stuff, which I do. And you mention him a lot. Have you met him? Uh, no, I have not physically met him. But we have written back and forth a few times. And that was a big thrill. I'm looking at one of his letters right now that I have in a frame uh, in my office, um, my favorite golfer by far, and also my favorite businessman. Uh, he's a, just the best, and I always appreciate him and his kindness and his kind words and support. So, um, yeah, never met him yet. Uh, hopefully, one of these days I will. A wish list for guests, and I've told you I've had many already. Mario Andrade, Jerry Cooney, Vince Ferragamo, those guys were you know on on the wish list. But who else do I have? Well, obviously Greg Norman's one. Love to get Magic Johnson on and George Foreman and and Alex Rodriguez and another one that would would really be a big catch for me and don't put it past me because I I was able to get some some pretty good names uh, Joe Namath uh, would would love to get Joe Namath on so um, you know 
I haven't tried for any of those guys yet, but um, maybe one of these days I'll surprise you and, uh, and, and get them on. Get one of those guys on, or maybe all of them. Who knows? Uh, next question. How do you get your guests? Um, I've been very fortunate in a lot of ways. Number one, I've told you a thousand times, I've known a lot of these guys since I was a little kid, like Rooker and Stennett and Candelaria. Of course, they get tired of hearing that because it makes them like I'm so young and they're so old. And they're not really all that. Well, they're older than me, 20 years, 10, whatever. But uh, again, uh, so I've known some of those guys since I was a little kid. And, oh, another real quick to go back. One of my favorite baseball announcers, Milo Hamilton. Really enjoyed him. But anyway, um, and a lot of these guys, I get to play in celebrity golf tournaments with him and have become friends. Uh, so I just ask them to uh, to be on the show, and they've been so kind. Guys like Rocky Blyer, Pierre LaRouche, um, you know, Sid Bream. Uh, well, I met him at some baseball camps. We've become friends. But I've been very fortunate to become friends with these guys, and they're very good people. And, and, and let me say this. Uh, oh, another couple guys on my wish list. John Calipari, who's a friend, but John's – always running he's either coaching or recruiting or something but we'll try to get him on and doug collins uh, another guy who i've known for quite a few years he's the former coach of the chicago bulls and pistons and wizards and played for the 76ers so those two guys too but um uh, yeah I, the reason why i like anybody or really admire people is not just because of how good they are at what they do it's the type of person they are and whenever you heard me talk to Cooney or Vinnie Paz or Donnie Lalonde or Andretti, I, I got emotional because they're good people and they've had so much impact in my life. And uh, Dick Vermeil, who was a guest, I, I like to get Kurt Warner too. I always liked him a lot too, good guy. But um, and I do have an interview that I did with Bruno Sammartino years ago. It's on tape, and um, I'm gonna just you know out of respect. Uh, it's a good interview, you know, nothing crazy or anything like that, but out of respect, I'm going to one of these days ask his son, uh, Daryl, if, uh, if he minds, if I play it and then, um, you know, put it on for you guys, because Bruno was another guy who I never got used to talking to him, you know, cause I grew up watching this guy and he was like, like he wasn't real, you know, a mythical character. Um, but, um, you know, I was so lucky. I, I met him a few times and, and we talked and we hit it off. And if, if I won an award or if something happened to me or whatever, he would give me a call. And I cannot tell you um, the feeling I would get when, when Bruno Sabartino, who was as big as it got, I can't get any bigger than Bruno, when he would call me say, hey, congratulations, or we talk about this or talk about that. And just like I said on the show, when Mario Andretti sent me a, an autographed picture, I, I made a Hall of Fame, and, and he sent me a, an autographed picture, you know, congratulating me for it or whatever. Uh, these guys are great people. And, man, I, sometimes I just uh, can't believe that, you know, I call some of these guys friend. It, it means a lot to me. So uh, but that's how I get my guests. And, and once in a while, um, uh, I'll just send somebody an email and um, – their website and uh you know they'll they'll say yes which i i, I appreciate very very much but i'd say 99 percent of them uh, i've been friends with um okay last question Th my my favorite starting five in basketball so i'm guessing he means position by position so i'm gonna do it that way so it didn't say your favorite five top basketball players but i'll do it this way a guard, Pistol Pete Maravich. Absolutely loved watching him play, making passes. I mean, 
just unbelievable ball handler, the greatest ball handler ever. Magic Johnson, the other guard. Can you imagine that tandem? Okay. Larry Bird, forward. Can you imagine those three guys? Pistol, Magic, and Larry Bird. I mean, you that would be the greatest passing team of all time. I would just love that for sure. Dr. J. I mean, Dr. J, everybody talks about first thing you talk about is how classy he was and how elegant regal he was and obviously he could he could play to a very exciting so i loved him at center for me will chamberlain um i don't know of a more dominant player than will but i used to i've read so much about him love listening to his interviews um very intelligent guy to listen to um just love listening to will chamberlain and you know just his name it brings you back to a little kid will chamberlain oh my god right and on the bench, Doug Collins. I love Doug Collins as well. So it would be Pistol Magic, um, Bird, uh, Will Chamberlain, Dr. J, and on the bench, uh, Doug Collins. So those are my favorite starting five. Um, so I appreciate the questions. Um, and uh, I have a few more, but they're boxing ones. And I'll save those. Um, and I appreciate all the emails and keep sending them in. So that's our show for tonight. Uh, once again, we're going to thank our sponsors, Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, Criminal Defense Attorney Eric Jackson, Lori, Quaker Valley Rotary Club, my my book. It's not my new book. It came out in October. But my book, Lead from the Heart Up, Not the Neck Up, How to Create a Positive Wing Culture on the Field and in the Office. It's available on my website, ClaudioRosano.com, JohnMelvinPublishing.com, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and the Barnes & Noble in Robinson Township. And subscribe to the show. And again, I cannot wait to tell you this announcement. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited about it. I, I'm just bursting at the seams. Uh, and as always, thank you, Mom and Pop. Uh, thank you, Rick Mitchell and Adam Zaluf. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to the Claudio Rosano Show, brought to you by Roscoe Hearing and Allergy Care Center. Be sure to tune in next time on ClaudioRosano.com. I've been talking to my dad and he seems out of sorts, like he can't understand what I'm saying. It's not just a hearing problem, Jolie. It is a health problem. Even with a mild hearing loss, our risk of dementia doubles with age. So let's improve dad's hearing and his health. Let us be the solution to his hearing health care needs so you and dad can experience many years of understanding, laughter, and happy memories. Serving the Dubois area for over 20 years, the Roscoe Hearing Care Center in Dubois, Punxsy, and St. Mary's. The hearing solutions you've been looking for. Call us for an appointment today, 814-375-0455. The law offices of Eric Jackson-Lurie are available when you need it for all of your defense needs. Maybe it's a DUI, or maybe you found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. Whatever the scenario, the law offices of Eric Jackson-Lurie are available seven days a week. With a practice based throughout western Pennsylvania, the law offices of Eric Jackson-Lurie are conveniently located in downtown Pittsburgh and Fox Chapel. When you or a loved one needs discreet, experienced legal representation, call Eric Jackson-Lurie at 412-963-9308. That's 412-963-9308. 
We want to welcome our newest sponsor, Dom's Pizzeria and Sports Bar, 502 Cavett Avenue in Trafford, Pennsylvania. Call 412-372-3667. Dom Pecora, great guy, great food. Make sure you tell him we sent you. Would you like to join a community service-oriented group to help provide remarkable services such as the Halloween Parade, Santa Parade, a Memorial Golf Outing, the Annual Harvest Festival, award secondary educational scholarships, and raise several fundraising events? If so, the Quaker Valley Rotary Club is looking for people of action who live a service-above-self type of lifestyle and want to help make the Quaker Valley District even better. Please visit us at www.quakervalleyrotary.org or call Scott Zayner at 412-720-0298.